0: Thank you for listening to the Cross Loganville's podcast. Today, Tim Cash will start our series on hurry. So I'm so glad to see you guys today. I'm so pumped to enter into uh, this new series uh, that we've titled Hurry. Uh, I would encourage you to read a book, uh, Spencer, uh, our guys in Radical Mentoring, Daniel, Richard, I mean, Drew, there's so many guys in this room. There's about, about 55 guys in this church going through Radical Mentoring right now. Norm, you got it. Andrew, you know it, brother. I mean, I could just keep bouncing around, but right the, the, this month, we're reading a book called... The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It is a great read. And uh, we're going to use that kind of theme, if you will, to build uh, the messages. And so today uh, we'll launch it and kick it off. Next week we'll talk about solitude. The week after that we'll talk about simplicity and we'll continue uh, for the month of November. But we think this would be a very, uh, very healthy rhythm for all of us Uh, to embrace and uh, to start to apply to our daily lives. Let's open up our hearts uh, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I do pray that you would guide us in this space today. I pray for every guy and gal in this room, for those that are watching online. Lord, I pray that we would would really just uh, pause before you, and we would really anticipate uh, you doing something to surprise us, that would transform us, that would conform us, to be more like Jesus. And so I ask you to guide. And uh, Lord, I pray that, that I would really honor you and I would honor your word and I would honor your truths today uh, in, in a way that would bring just incredible glory to you. And so uh, I pray that we would eliminate even right now, even distractions, phones off, just that we would breathe into this space now and really encounter you in Jesus name, amen. I think one of the, the great verses that I've memorized uh, over the years is Psalm 4610. If you don't know that verse, I would encourage you to memorize Psalm 46.10. It's a great verse, but it says this be still, cease striving, and know that I am God. It goes on to say, where well, the Lord is declaring, I'm gonna be exalted among the nations. But that phrase be still or cease striving. It literally means vacate. It literally means, why don't you take a vacation from being God long enough to let God show you that he's capable of being God and leading your life? And I think for all of us in this room, including myself, we need to vacate. We need to take a vacation from being God, calling the shots, uh, trying to be in control. Here's a question I want you to consider as we start. What do I need to do to become the me that God wants me to be? That would be the question to ponder throughout the day over these next weeks. What do I need to do to become the me that God wants me to be? Which would imply, what do I need to eliminate from my life? What do I need to add? What types of rhythm and discipline do I need to integrate so that I can become fully alive in Christ? What is it? Now, if you were born after 1995, there's never been a time in your life where infinity and end, endless information was not stuck in your pocket. Uh, That's that's the truth. Now, I kind of predate 1995 a little bit, but I can tell you this. Here's my observation. That device or vice that we call a cell phone or a hell phone has been your normal. And it is amazing when you start to look at what that little invention has done. 77% of young adults said this, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. And I would even say when something is requiring your attention, you still reach for the phone. It's crazy, is it not? That cell distraction has become a major hindrance for so many people in their journey. And I, and I can tell you this. The truth is, you may pay for your phone, but if you're not careful, your phone will own you. Your phone doesn't work for you. Your phone works for a multi-billion dollar enterprise. And what's being purchased every day is your peace of mind, is your time, is your attention, And your ability to be present in the moment of the now. Now, again, I predate uh, predate 1995. But I remember years ago, in my 20s, I would be flying from Atlanta to L.A. And I would get onto the plane, and I would sit there, and I would begin to read my book. And when I finished my book, I would fold up my book. I would put my book in my Backpack, and I would just sit there and chill, and I would relax, and I would pray, and I would ponder, and I would look out the window as we went over the heartland of America, of Kansas, and as we would make our way over Colorado, and as we would make our way maybe over the canyon or the dam or whatever, I would like, oh, look at God's creation, and, 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 and just breathe and just relax. I, I remember years ago going to a grocery and uh, just standing in line, maybe three or four people in front of me. And, and I would just stand there and uh, I would not reach in my pocket for my digital distraction. I would not start to surf the web. I, I would just stand there and maybe scratch my head at what the National Enquirer was trying to sell or, or, or. And I was not like in that line waiting for myself to scan my own goods. There actually was somebody there, and I would just like stand and maybe even talk to people around me. Y'all remember that? You remember when you could be standing in line, no matter what the store or place might be, and people actually talked to each other? People actually engaged with each other? Y'all remember that? And see, this hurry-up life of digital distraction is robbing us of being present. It's robbing us of being present with God. It's robbing us of being present with other people. It's it's robbing us of, of really being able to enjoy the beauty of God and all the goodness around us. And the sad thing is, it's robbing us of even being present with our own soul and our own thoughts. Dallas Willard has had such incredible influence on so many over the last years, and his his fingerprint is all over John Mark Comer. But Dallas Willard made this statement, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life today. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The ruthless elimination of hurry. John Mark Comer would even say that hurry is a form of violence on the soul. Read that quote, and I'm like, that is exactly the day in which we live. We're hurried. We, 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 we don't have time to step into the space of the, of the now. And even when you talk to most people today, if you ask them, hey, bro, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm just busy busy. And it's almost like we equate being busy with being spiritual. And the Lord is trying to mature us and grow us up. And the Lord is wanting to develop the fruit of the spirit inside of us and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control is not compatible with hurry. The Lord is wanting to to and in the soil of our hearts, he's wanting to grow us up. He's wanting to see us experience spiritual maturation. But we're too busy. We're too hurried. And all of us, all of us need room to breathe. We need freedom to think. We need permission to heal. And if we look around us today, we would say relationships are being starved to death because of velocity. It's just the pace, right, hurry, busyness, and no one appears to have time to listen, and no one appears to have time to love, and children today are being wounded, being run over by high-speed good intentions by their parents. we got to make more money. we got to have this and have that. And so it's, it's almost like you have to stop and ask, has God become pro-exhaustion? Is that like really the teaching of the New Testament? We read in the Psalms and other places where he leads his people beside these calm, quiet waters. But it's almost like the way church is done today and with all the the movement and with all the lights and the bells and whistles and smoke and all this stuff It's like, no, God's pro-exhaustion. We've got to keep it moving. And, and reality is we, we all need those sacred spaces where we can experience healing with our thoughts and our emotions and where we can rest and find recovery. Every one of us does. Every one of us needs those, those times and spaces where we can heal. Psychologist Carl Jung said this. He goes, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. I was like, yes. Corey Ten Boom said, "If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy." And if you think about what sin and busyness does, it cuts off or severs your connection with God. You can't live in sin and have intimate connection with God, but you can't be running wild and ragged and have this intimacy with God. It severs, it hinders your relationship with God, with others, and it absolutely destroys your own soul. And it's it's sad. That's the day in which we find ourselves. And Jesus taught all these cool rhythms and disciplines in scripture. We'll get there. But John Ortberg made this statement. He said, the great danger today is not that we will renounce our faith. The danger is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it. I'm not going to denounce my faith. I'm not going to say there's no God. I'm not going to denounce that Jesus is Savior. But I'm just going to become so rushed and busied and hurried and distracted that I don't have time for what I say is most important. And being mediocre and being average and just being okay is almost acceptable today. So what strategy does Jesus offer? Let's dive into it. What discipline, what rhythm does Jesus offer for this hurried life, for this busyness, for all of these distractions? And I would tell you this, the discipline is called silence and solitude. Richard Foster lays it out so beautifully in his book, The Celebration of Discipline. But we know that we must have this space of silence and solitude. When you read the life of Jesus, even going back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, the scripture says that after his baptism, Jesus's, he came up out of the water, and John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and it was settling on Jesus. And a voice from heaven came out speaking, saying, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. Now, if you study scripture, this this was like the... The the moment of launching public ministry for Jesus, his baptism, is about to be on for the next three plus years. And so Jesus is about to be sent out into the world and and he's about to be God in flesh, known to everyone. He was already God in flesh, but now it's about to be known. And if you read on down in chapter four, verse one, after the baptism, the public ministry of Jesus is now to be launched It says Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The first thing Jesus does, the first thing Jesus does as his public ministry is being launched is he heads straight to the wilderness. I want you to think about this. And the word desert there or wilderness, when we read it in the English, it's not talking about sand and scorching heat. The Greek word is Eremos. It's an interesting word. It means a quiet place, a solitary place. It means a place to get alone. Eremos, deserted place, away from noise, away from traffic. Jesus would start by going out to this quiet place and you go, why would he go there? But is that a place to be tempted? Is, is Eremos a place of, of weakness? No. When you study it throughout the pages of the Gospels, you would land in this place with me where you would say Eremos is a place of strength. It is a place of resolve. It is a place of determination. It is a place to get away. It is a place to refresh, refocus, recharge, to be strengthened, Eremos. Jesus, you're going to start your public ministry. And what are you going to do? I'm I'm going to go hang out in the desert, the wilderness, solitary uh, space for a a period of time. That's where I'm going. Even if you take Mark chapter 1 and start to study it. It's interesting because this is where like first assignment, first day on the job as Messiah for Jesus is taking place. And it's a marathon of a day. Matthew 8 captures some of the same essence of Mark chapter 1. But Jesus was up early. Jesus, he was at the synagogue teaching. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach the gospel, set the captive free. He's doing all this stuff, right? And then Peter's mother-in-law is sick and he's over there laying hands on her and, and seeing healing take place in her life. And the whole day was just full of traffic. And then he, you read later on that day that they were bringing the sick to Jesus and he, he was laying hands on them and they were experiencing healing and the demon possessed. And it was just a long Full day. A long day. First day on the job, long day. And 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 physical exhaustion, mental fatigue was probably setting in. You all had any days like that lately? <sighs> Up early and just the grind and so many different things going on and you're trying to figure out where to be and what to do. And you, you finally get to the end of the day and you're just mentally fried, physically exhausted. Then you read verse 35 of Mark chapter 1. And this is what it says. Early the next morning, early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place, and he was praying there. This is Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, God in flesh. What, what, what are you doing? I, I, I've, I've got to get away. I've got to start that that day off right. I've I've got to get that rhythm. And getting to a quiet place and a long place to be with the Father was not a one-time thing for Jesus. It was a daily thing. It was a daily rhythm. It was a daily discipline for the Lord. You want your life to change? You want to start getting some sanity in your life? Pay attention to the rhythm of Jesus. Because I can tell you when he withdrew to the quiet place, he was pressing in and hanging with the father. You go, why, why, why would Jesus have this Eremos in his life? Because it was a place to go to resolve clarity and calling. If you want to know what your calling is, you're going to have to have clarity about it. And you're going to have to go back and revisit at times we do. Hey, what is my purpose and what is my real meaning for being on the planet? I've got to have clarity in this thing. Because all of the noise and the chaos and the confusion around us, if you're not careful, it can get you off center. And getting to a quiet place, an intentional place to hang with the Father can keep you grounded. It can keep you sane. It, it, it can give you clarity as you move through life. And we need it. I need it bad. And, and at the end of this time here, I want to share with you a rhythm or a discipline for me that started right after I got saved. I'm talking about it in, in 1985. And it's been part of my rhythm and discipline every day. It's changed me. But if you read Mark chapter 6, the disciples returned to Jesus from a long day of ministry. And they came to Jesus and told Jesus all they had done and all they had taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. If you read the next piece, uh, it's because things were so busy. So they left for they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Hey, hey Jesus, you're not going to believe what we just did. We had all this cool ministry. Where people were coming uh, to repent, and, and, and maybe they cast out demons. Maybe, I don't know what all they were doing, but they came back in high five and going, Man, we were teaching. And he goes, Cool. What did he say? Hey, boys, you know what you need? Great day. Let's go have a beer. It's what you need, right? Hey, hey, you know what you need, ladies? You need a night out with the girls. Let's. Jesus says, Stop. You know what you need? Whew, you need time alone with God. We need to unplug. We need to reset. You need to recharge. You had a lot going on? Yeah. So, so you and Barb had this funeral y'all went to on Wednesday? Yeah. Had a funeral on Thursday, yeah. Had a wedding yesterday. You had this and you had that, right? You got all this stuff. Hey, hey, you know what you need? You need to, to get away. You need to shh, get quiet. You need to hang out with the Father. Nine times in the Gospel of Luke, Luke emphasizes that Jesus went to a place, Eremos, quiet place, solitary place, Nine times he goes, look at what Jesus did. It was like the busier Jesus became, and the more in demand Jesus was, and the more famous he was becoming, the more he withdrew. And we we want to keep the momentum going. Oh, man, we've got so much of a surge right here. Our business is doing well. We, we've got to keep grinding. We've got to burn the candle on both ends. We've got to make it work. And Jesus goes, stop the nonsense. You're starting starting to burn out. You don't, you don't need to grind it more. You need to reset, refocus, clarity. Now let me talk to you about silence. This is an interesting thing if you look at the discipline of silence as well as solitude. Silence just if you look at it, there's two aspects of silence. You've got the external silence, and then you've got this internal silence stuff. I- external silence really is just the elimination of noise, okay? But that's hard for some of us to do. St. Augustine said this, entering into silence. I love this quote right here. Entering into silence is entering into joy. I read that quote, and I was like, Shh, listen, listen. Is it possible that silence is the gateway to joy? Is it possible that finding that place where you can just get away and unplug, is it possible that silence might be the gateway to enter into the joy of the Lord? But for most people, most people, silence is a foreign concept because the moment we get into our cars, we blast it, whether it's talk radio or listening to jam or as soon as we get in our cars, man, we're Bluetoothing it up so that we can talk to the world and then we come home and it's like, it's time to eat or time to chill, but we're going to crank the TV and it's like everything that we do, right? I'm going to go work out, so I got to get some some tunes on, everything. And and it blows my mind because I was trying to figure this out with my boys because one of my therapy things to do, right? honestly, is cutting grass or weed eating, and I, I just hanging out, and just, and that noise, and I'm like, oh, it's so peaceful out here, and I get a lot of thinking done, but they're like, man, I got to put my buds in, man, because I'm cutting grass, and I got to listen to tunes. While I'm listening to tunes, I'm not in the moment of the now, and I'm like... That's the world. Continuous noise. And, and, and so many people will blame the devil for all the chaos that they personally are creating. Come on, Ronnie. It's like, man, the devil is jacking with me. Like, really? 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 And I think one of the big issues for most people is we use external noise to drown out the internal noise. And you got all this chaos and confusion and crap going on inside the head. And and God forbid that we would ever process it and deal with it and work through it, Trey. So we're going we're gonna to use all this external noise so that we don't have to listen to our thoughts. It, it's like we we can't listen to this internal noise. I can't sit with my own thoughts. My thoughts are so jacked up. And so... In order not to deal with them, I got these mind monsters that sabotage me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create all these distractions. And the enemy's like, that away. See, God is pro-exhaustion. He doesn't lead people beside st- still waters anymore. Keep the noise going. And that is a lie straight from hell. It's like, wow. And that's where our culture's at. Silence. Jesus, Iremos. he gets along to be with the Father. And external noise, honestly, is a lot easier to get rid of. I mean, you can turn off the radio. You can turn off your phone. You can turn off notifications. You, you, You can do that. You can actually grab a pillow and lay on the couch and hopefully get a nap or you you can't eliminate it by going for a walk. You can if you want to. It's a lot easier. But the internal noise People don't want to sit with their thoughts. It's a different beast. It's a wild stallion that most people are not even attempting to tame. So here's my question. Does being still and being silent, does that threaten you? Does it threaten you? Where does your mind go? Where do your thoughts go? Where do you drift to? You know, it's crazy. And I know my buddy Ronnie deals with this so much. Because we don't carve out time to really be with the Lord. For so many people... They start looking at the end of the day, and they're so overwhelmed mentally and physically, and they're just so exhausted that they start drinking a lot so that they can maybe fall asleep, but they don't rest. Or they're looking for that pill or melatonin or whatever. And they get to the end of the day and they're like, man, the lights are about to go out. And these other people maybe in this house are about to go to sleep. I don't know how to turn it off because I won't deal with it. And so I'm going to numb. I'm going to sedate. I'm going to medicate. And it's like you can sleep and never rest. Silence is an important piece of pressing into the Lord. And then you look at solitude. Solitude really just means being alone with God and alone with your thoughts. Solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. There's a big difference. Some people escape. I'm just going to escape from this thing. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to isolate. It's not working. True solitude as far as a spiritual discipline allows you to engage with the Lord. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is opening yourself up to God. Isolation is putting a target on your back for the enemy to eat your lunch. And that's the reason, like, when people start to separate from God and separate from community and dissonant themselves, they're putting a target on their back. Solitude is when you're hanging out with the Lord and you're going, man, I want to nourish and feed my soul. Again, Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, wrote, loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. So when you press in with the Lord... And you're like, man, I've got this solitude. I'm I'm never alone in solitude with the Lord. Some of of my greatest times ever in my life was not on a Sunday morning or was not at a concert. The greatest times in my life usually are around 4.30 till about 6.30, 4.15 till about 6.30 in the morning. Just hang with me. Press into me. But one of the major problems for most people today and even people inside the church is they're not willing to admit how separated from God they truly feel. And as I said before, love, joy, and peace, man, that does not describe the reality for most people that even call themselves Christians. And for so many people, we come to church hoping to get that God fix. We're going to get that brief moment, man, of hanging out with the king Before we walk out the doors to return to the wastelands of noise and chaos. And Jesus says, come. Come to me. Come hang with me. Come press into me. Come lean into me. We're we're, we're just like, man. We neglect spending time with God. And the reason is, again, as I said, we're so distracted. The Lord is available. The Lord is waiting. But you know how many people, Dave, have said this to me over the years? Hey, brother, I just feel like I'm in a dry place. Instead of being in a dry place, why don't you get to a place of eramos where you're hanging intentionally with Father? The Lord hasn't moved. And I'm scratching my head on that going, you know what? I don't have a breakthrough in this certain area right now, but I know the Lord, man. I'm hanging with the Lord. But it's like, man, I'm dry. And I can tell you this, the solution is to create that quiet, alone place and be intentional to press in with the Lord. Come come and hang with me. If you don't set aside time to be with the Lord daily, I can promise you you will not only get to a dry place, but you can get to a dry place in your walk with the Lord. And I've seen so many people get there. They had that rhythm, man. They had that spiritual discipline. And when we don't do that, as I said, we're going to disconnect with God, and we're going to disconnect with others, and we're going to disconnect with our own soul. And before we know it, we have no energy, and we're just flooded with anxiety. It's the buzz today. Man, I'm just... I'm overwhelmed with worry and, and I, I, I'm just so flooded, man, with anxiety. Tim, what do I do? And if you just stopped and said, hey, how's your time with God? Well, I read the daily bread, man, like, yeah, like fight. No, dude, stop it. How's your time with the Father? Well, I, I grab a podcast and on my way to work sometimes, no. There's too much stinking traffic and noise and distractions. I'm asking you, how how much time are you hanging out with the Lord? Seriously. Seriously. And for the last since I've lived in Georgia, when I can go back 26, 27, 28 years or whatever. And I can talk to my buddy Ronnie and I'm like, what's up? How you doing? Man, I had some good time with the Lord this morning. Brother, come on, man, talk to me. Man, the Lord woke me up at 3.30. Man, I just sat out there on the porch for two hours just worshiping and praying. That conversation happens all the time. It's not like a a once-a-year conversation or a once-every-six-year conversation. Hey, Ronnie, man, let me tell you what the Lord's speaking into me this morning. And we've been having these conversations for 25, 26 years. Because when we don't prioritize this time with God, we're we're hurting, we're, we're dry. But when we do, we get refreshed, and we get recharged, and we get strengthened, and we get clarity, right? You start getting all this clarity of thought. And, and, and you're able to process the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you're, you're able to bring clarity to failures as well as successes and applause as well as rejection. You're going, but it's okay. The Lord's giving me clarity here. I'm hanging out with the Lord. And the Lord said he's for me. And, and, and the Lord's speaking to me today. Yes. And we breathe. And we embrace the Lord. Moving toward wrapping it up with you. But Andrew Sullivan said this, the greatest danger to faith today is not hedonism, it's destruction. The, the greatest danger for evangelicals and believers today is not to fall into the pit of pursuing pleasure, it's back to what Ortberg said, we become so distracted That we settle for a mediocre version of what God is calling us into. So you've got to eliminate. There's certain things I'm supposed to add. Here's Here's where I'll go. And I made reference to it early on. But I remember when I first got saved. I had a guy three or four months into my journey go, hey man, you ever had a quiet time in the morning? I'm like, quiet time. I don't know what you're talking about I don't know that term I don't know that phrase it's like early 1986 he goes a quiet time man it's when you kind of you, you, you get up to be intentionally just hanging with the Lord and he used Mark 135 While it was still early Jesus would depart to a lonely place and I'm like so what do you do during a quiet time I was a brand new spiritual infant hey you sip coffee yeah I sip coffee brew you a cup of coffee man Get you some coffee. And and, and here's what you do. You set aside this intentional time to meditate and be with Jesus. Now, I remember starting off, and it was like 15 minutes, and I thought, man, that's a long time. And now I get to these places where I'm like, man. Two hours later, and they're starting to wake up, and they're making noises. Lord, we're going to pick it up later. But hey, read the scripture. And I had these journals from Word of Life. And I would would read the passage. I would write down like prayer requests. Like, Lord, here's where I'm jacked up. I don't even know how to control my mouth. My language is so jacked up still. I know I've been saved for a few months. And you got my heart. But we need to get this tongue thing over here figured out. And, And I would confess my struggles of lust and whatever. And then... I would journal all this stuff down. I would spend time in the word. I would spend time just in prayer, sometimes just sitting there, sometimes talking, sometimes just yielding. Uh, and then sometimes I would incorporate some like light, light worship music in the background, but then I would journal and I would hang and I would journal and I would hang. And I'm like, Lord, I am dependent on you. I want you to remind me again today how much I need you. Would you save me from me and save me to you? Can I tell you something? And I've shared this with our church family before. If there's one thread that you yanked out of my garment that would cause it to fall apart, it would be my time with the Lord in the morning in the Word and hanging out with Jesus. If you took that one thing out of my life, everything else falls apart. And I am so glad I had somebody that loved me enough to say, hey, quiet time. And then the Lord said, you know you can have quiet time with me and it not be intimate time. Why don't you say you're having intimate time? I like that word a lot better. Because you can be quiet and not experience intimacy. But Jeff, I promise you, brother, that was one of the rhythms and that was terminology and phraseology back when we first got saved. Hey, man, you've got to have a quiet time. And at times it was worded that way that you've got to. And Don, you know what? I was like, I I soon realized I don't, I don't got to, I get to, and I need to, and I want to, and I, and I established that rhythm. And what happened during that time of establishing that rhythm was there was silence. There was no speaking, nobody to talk to except the father. You're not going to talk. You're going to be quiet. Your desires to become conformed to the likeness of Christ. And then there was this solitude stuff silence and solitude, being absent from other people and other things, so that I could just totally focus on the Lord. Lord, I just want to focus on you the goodness of God, the glory of God, the greatness of God. And you know, during that time, I would do name studies on God. I would look at all these names of Elohim and Rafa and to canoe and all, all, all these, I would just look at it, Jaira, and I would just like study the glory and character and nature of God. Oh, God, you're good. And it started to restore my soul, and it started breaking my attachment to the world, and it started breaking the grip the world had on me. That's what ends up happening with it. It will start to break the world's attachment. Mark Batterson said, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God. And it's drowning out what we most need to hear. God often speaks the loudest when we're quiet. When we're quiet. Let me give you six simple principles. One. One. Spending time intentionally in silence and solitude, pressing into the Lord. Daily rhythm and daily discipline. One, it breaks the power of, I have to do this mentality. If we're not careful, we start to think, I, I got to do it. Dallas Willard made this statement. He said, the person who is capable of doing nothing might be capable of refraining from doing the wrong things. And then perhaps he would be better able to do the right thing. The person who doesn't have to do anything, i got to do this. It's rising and falling on me. He goes, that's not true. And in those moments and times of silence and solitude, we become aware of what we're doing, what we're not doing, what we need to do. Why, why, why am I even doing this? In those moments of silence and Solitude, as Gordon MacDonald would say, it's almost like God starts to rearrange our private world. And we go, wow. Here's the second one. When you're pressing in, it helps refresh and renew our souls, our thinking, our emotions, our will. Even the psalmist would cry out in Psalm 62, my soul, wait in silence for God only. For my hope is from him. He is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. My soul wait in silence for God only. Even Isaiah would say, the Holy One of Israel, I love this verse. The Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance, turning from, and in rest, you will be saved. In repentance and in rest, in quietness and in trust is your strength. That is an incredible verse. Hey, hey! do you realize that in repentance and rest, that's when you're going to come alive with me and, and when you're quiet and you're trusting me, okay, that's where you're going to find your strength. You know, when you're spending time in silence and solitude with the Lord, another thing that God shows you is this, the world's going to go on re- without you. You're replaceable, bro. I don't need you. Back to, on my good day, I'm a donkey giving divinity a ride. You know, another thing it does is it clears out our mind to be able to make wise decisions. And when you go back and look at Jesus, the innermost place in Jesus' life, even before he selected the 12, he got along with the Father. And if Jesus got along as as a discipline before making crucial decisions, man, I desperately need that. Being able to fast and pray and separate like Lord, it creates, number five, a a space to be able to hear the voice of God. Remember even Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 9, he goes, hey, I want you to leave the cave and I want to speak to you. And, And Elijah saw a storm and a mighty wind and earthquakes and fire and God goes, I ain't in it, I'm in this whisper." And I think a lot of times, man, it's hard even to hear God's voice in the midst of noise. But sometimes when you're quiet, you're like, all right, I have peace on what I'm supposed to do now. I have peace in what direction I'm supposed to move now. (sighs) Praise the Lord. Henry Nowen, one of my favorite writers, said, In solitude, I get rid of all the stuff I keep myself propped up with like friends, family, TV, technology, achievement, work. He goes, I I can tell you this in solitude with God, all these things I use to prop up my worth and identity and value, I just lay them aside. Can I tell you another one that's huge in our day that can help us all? By spending intentional time in silence and in solitude, it can help us control our tongues. When we practice silence, Oftentimes, God tells us to lay down the weapon of our words when we're silent. God goes, Quit manipulating the people and circumstances around you. Stop it. Lay down the weapon of your words. I don't need you. I need you to reset and trust me to be enough. My prayer is we walk through, even today, this week, and even this, this next series here that we're doing called Hurry, my prayer is that each and every one of us, me and you, all of us, would create those spaces, those healthy spiritual disciplines and rhythms So that we would eliminate the noise and the traffic and the chaos and the confusion. And we would be intentional with the Eremos of our life. That we would create those solitary, quiet, isolated places to hang with the Lord. Again, if you took that one thread out of my garment, I fall apart. What is it? It's time with the Lord. It's word. Word. It's prayer, it's repentance, it's hanging with Jesus. And when you hang there, I'm telling you, for some of us, the reason it's so hard is because we've been hurt, we've been violated, there's things that happen, and we have already postured our heart to be in a place that we're right and justified for all of this goofy behavior that we manifest and got to go stop it. Stop it. I can't get a word in edgewise with you because you you won't shut up. You're, you're, You're manipulating and dominating and controlling. Stop. Now come know me. Come let me grow you. Come let me mature you. So my prayer as we go through this is that you will press in and start to create this daily rhythm. And let me go ahead and say this in closing. And I'll wrap it up with this. Don't you look at me and tell me you're not a morning person. (laughs) I've had that shared with me over the years. I'm just not a morning person. No, you are a person. There's 24 hours in a day. There's no such thing as a morning person and a night person. There's just people. You've got to get that quiet space. And my day starts at about 9.30, 10 p.m. My day starts with rest. And after about seven hours, six hours and 45 minutes, when my eyes open, I'm already rested. My day don't start when I wake up. My day starts when I put my head on the pillow to rest. Man's first day on the planet was a day of rest, not a day of work. My day starts with rest. And so when I get up, I'm already seven hours into my day. I'm like, yes, I get to hang out with Jesus because he wants to hang out with me.